Brother Steve, would you uh, help us with prayer, please? Let's all take the hymn. Let's turn to hymn number 257. Hymn number 257. Look and live.
that's lost in darkness for the saint who's gone astray for the sinner blind but searching for the child in need of faith for the homeless and forsaken for the hungry and the cold for the prisoner and the captive for the young and for the old sin sick soul there is a cure for all all the pain and hurt and wrong there is a solution for all the problems deep inside there is a remedy and his name is jesus christ for the bitter for the lonely for the weary and afraid for the burdened and frustrated the discouraged and dismayed for the mocked and persecuted for the battered for the wronged for the scarred and for the wounded for the weak and for the strong every sin sick soul there is a cure for all all the pain and hurt and wrong there is a solution for all the problems deep inside there is a remedy and his name is jesus christ for every tribe and Thank you, girls. Appreciate it very much. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight, have each one of you with us. Uh, I would mention that Sunday looks like it's going to be really cold, really cold. I'm just cold thinking about it. Uh, the only thing that would make that nicer is if we had like another fresh three feet of snow. But uh, it looks like it's going to be really cold. Uh, and of course, we always encourage you, err on the side of safety if you feel like I live too far away or I'm too old, stay home, okay? I'd rather you stay home and we get to fellowship again than find out that you've become an ice cube alongside the highway, okay? 
so uh, I know that you can make wise choices. Just encourage you to do so. We will be um, hopefully broadcasting that day, you know, doing live stream and so forth, and so you can follow along that way. Um, but I just want you to know that no one's going to feel bad if, because of cold, you decide to stay home, all right? So uh, Jared's getting ready to head back to school. Alyssa's getting ready to head back to school. They do that tomorrow. Pray for them as they're on the road, and uh, they, everything will go smooth. The cars will run well. And they'll stay awake, and they'll drive good, and all those kind of things. But I asked uh, Brother Jared if he'd preach for us one more time. Brother Jared, you come preach. All right, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. I want to thank Pastor again for this opportunity to, to preach. And I'm always excited when I get to preach, and even more so when I get to do it here at home at Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple, and I want to thank you people here at Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple for always encouraging me in my preaching and in my call to ministry. It's uh, always a blessing to just have your encouragement and to know you're praying for me, and I'm extremely thankful for that and for the training and love I have received here. And so when Pastor asked me uh, Sunday what I, if I would preach tonight, I began to think and pray about what God would have me to preach, and I began to think about our theme, love God more, and just about that. My mind instantly went to this passage here. So I'm excited uh, for what God has for us tonight, and I want to preach a message tonight entitled, Is There Anything Above What Should Be Your Constraining Love? So please stand with me today as we uh, read God's Word. We're going to begin in verse number 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man that after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To it that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this passage in your Bible, Lord, and we're just so thankful to have it and for your love that you showed to us, Lord, and making your son sin for us. And we're thankful for what we have in that and what you've called us to do, Lord. Just fill me with your spirit as I preach your word. Help us uh, just be uh, enriched by it, Lord. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So in our text uh, tonight, we see Paul giving the believers of, in there at Corinth, of the church in Corinth, a source of motivation to live this new life they have received through Jesus Christ. Um, Paul writes this, knowing what the believers there in Corinth are struggling with. The church in Corinth during this time would have many people 
I mean, this church had many problems. We know that even from the book of Corinthians. Many things Paul was there to set straight. And Paul, even though Paul did start this church, they had gone away from many of the things Paul taught them to do. And we see that because of many of the false teachers there in Corinth. And there was many that would even um, try, refuse Paul's authority or make, were even claiming that Paul was insane. They were trying to uh, kind of undermine what Paul had set up there and undermine his authority with these believers there. And so this church in Corinth was, had some things that were messed up. And Paul is trying to just set these things back in order and give them a source of motivation, source of what they need to be uh, going to to do what they need to do here. And so um, we see Paul deal with this problem that there, there were people trying to usurp his authority or make, him, uh, make the people question him. And we see that um, Paul deals with this in 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, if you'll turn, that, turn there with me. In verses 1 through 6, we see Paul dealing with this. He says this, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you, or letters that are com of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written our in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God word, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Here we see Paul asking, do I need to tell you who I am? Do we need a letter of commendation as others would? He's saying, no, our letter of commendation is what we came and what we did there when we were with you. What we gave to you, the gospel, you receiving Christ. This is our letter of commendation. You know what we're all about. God has given us authority and we are ministers because that's what God has called us to do. Well, you don't need a letter of commendation. You are a letter of commendation. You've seen our work. You've believed on what we taught. We, you know my authority. And we see that what, that is what Paul was dealing there in first, uh, Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and even in the beginning part of our passage here in verses 11 through 13, he deals with that again somewhat. He says this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, there he is saying, we're not commending ourselves unto you again, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance, not in heart. Those that glory in appearance and not in heart, those that were saying Paul wasn't who he was saying he was, or that he was insane. These were the, those people, that the false teachers, that were all about that outward show. There was nothing in the heart. They were just trying to get in and mess with the church. And Paul's telling them, I don't need to prove to you who I am. You know who I am, and you know my authority. And we see... Um, what Paul was teaching them there, what the terror of the Lord was in verses 9 through 10 uh, of chapter 5, he says, Wherefore we labor that we, whether at present or absent, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Here we see Paul just telling straight up what he was doing. He was there to try and be acceptable to God. He was laboring to share the gospel with others and so that they'd be ready for the coming judgment of Christ. This is what Paul's mission was but when he came to Corinth and started the church, and what it, this is what his mission is still. And that's, um, he's saying, so you know me, you know that I'm doing these things, and you know where my authorities come from. I'm called of God, and I'm here just to make people ready for this ju coming judgment that God has for them. Um, so in light of God's coming judgment, Paul is in the ministry of persuading men to Christ, persuading men to come to Christ. That is what he was doing. And as mentioned before, there was those that 
Paul was, that taught, Paul was insane, that he had no authority. And so Paul is giving these believers an answer to these people's questions, to these people's accusations. He's giving them an answer to why Paul does what he's doing. And I'm thankful that Paul took this approach. Paul didn't, he could have easily been upset at these people usurping his authority or spreading lies about him. But no, he didn't really seek to build himself up. He sought to point their attention back to Christ, back to, okay, listen, even if they're saying these things about me, you received what I was teaching. You received the gospel, and that's of Christ. And if I'm teaching anything other than Christ, then yes, maybe you have something against me. But I'm teaching you Christ the same still. And this is what he's saying. My intent from the very beginning was to persuade men, to persuade men to Christ. And that's what I'm still doing. And I'm thankful that his leadership and his example of leadership was to point them back to Christ and not to him. And that's what we should do even in ourselves. If there's people... Uh, saying bad things about us, it's not really about, we don't need to really worry about what they're saying about us if we're doing what Christ has told us to do. And that's what um, we see Paul doing here. So he's just committed to what God has called him to do. He doesn't really care what these false teachers are saying. He's saying, I'm just going to teach Christ the same way I have before and persuade men. And he realized that the Spirit of God living in their believers' hearts was all the evidence they were going to need. They didn't need Paul's authority. They just needed to know what God did in their heart. And that's what he's trying to get here in these verses here. So we today are not called to bring people to ourselves. That's not what Paul's intent was there. He was not trying to get them attached to him. He was trying to get them attached to Christ. So we as believers are not to be doing that. We are not to be bringing people to ourselves and putting their trust in us. Although that's good, we need to point them to Christ and teach them to be more like him. Because what if we fall away? then they're going to fall away. Because they say, well, this is the person I was following, so if they fell away, I'm just going to fall away. No, we need to attach them to Christ because Christ is never going to fall away. Christ is never going to fail them, and that's what Paul is saying here. I'm just pointing you to Christ, and this is what we need to be looking towards. And they, Paul knew what they had experienced, that they have been saved and that they have this experience in Christ, and he's attaching them back to Christ, not to these false teachers that had nothing in their heart, that were just seeking to bring accusations and strife. So we just need to be pointing people to Christ just as Paul was here. So Paul has now answered this question, this question that was on the church of Corinth's mind, if they could trust him or anything like that. But no, he answered that question by pointing them back to Christ and realizing and making them realize that this was the foundation. Christ is the foundation. So that, here we get into what I really want to be talking about in verses 14 and down. Um, I'm going to read verses 14 through 17 again. It says this, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them, and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, now, yet now henceforth know we know him, know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Here Paul gives the source of motivation in his life for his life and his ministry and the motivation that these believers in Corinth were to have to continue spreading the gospel. This motivation was his love for Christ. It says there in verse number 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Um, Paul is making very clear in these verses what, uh, what the Spirit of God does in our lives when we get saved. What it's doing. He said, all, all, because all things are become new. The old things are passed away, are cast out. 
Um, Jesus died for all so that those who die with him might live through him. I love Galatians 2.20. It's my life verse, and it says this. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what Paul was saying here. He's saying, look, we have life in Christ now. The 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 old man has passed away. So you see, if it is only fair that he who died for your life is the one that gets to say how you should live your life. That's what Paul is saying here. The um, the Bible tells us we are now a new creature. This is an amazing thing. We are no longer bound by our sin because of the love that Christ had for us that bound him to the cross, that put our sin on him. 1 John 4.19 tells us this. We love him because he first loved us. It is not easy for us as sinful people to love someone that doesn't love us back. But we see Christ did this. While, it says, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And while we were yet his enemy, he died for us because he loved us. And now we get to love him back because of what he's done for us, what his love pushed him to do for us. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, because of what Christ has done in my life and what Christ has done in your life, our love for him could, should constrain us, should bound us to do whatever he wants us to do the, through this new life he has given us. While we were yet the enemy of of God, he still loved us and sent his son to die for us. Because of this perfect and unmeasurable display of love Christ has shown to us, we now can love him, and we now should love him. It was this love for Christ that constrained Paul to do the ministry that God had called him to do. So the love that we have for God, the love that Paul had for God, is our source of motivation to do what he asked of us as new creatures in him, through him. Um, it is to put away the old things and to live as a new creature. So if you would uh, hold your place in 2 Corinthians and turn to Colossians chapter number 3, I want us to take a deeper look into what this new creature is, how we are to put off this old creature and live as this new creature God has now given to us through salvation. We're going to read a sizable amount here, uh, verses 1 through 17, but it's good and it gets us really... Uh, to understand this. And I'm, so I'm going to begin reading at verse number one. It says this, if ye, then be, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sakes the wrath of God of, cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now all, ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father 
by him. Here we see a complete change. We are not what we used to be. Through Christ's salvation, we are now a new man. We are to put off some things and put on some new things. There should be a noticeable change. So now we have our motivation. We have our motivation, which is the love for Christ and our instruction to become a new creature, to become this new person through Christ. And that our reconciliation, our salvation was nothing of ourselves. It was all through Christ's power. We received that. Now, through his power, we are to become what he has told us to be. He died for us, and now we get to live for him, out of our love for him. But now we have seen what he has, uh, wants us to be, but now I want us to look into what he has for us to do, and that's found in verses um, I'll start in verse 17 and go through to 21. It says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is what God wants us to do. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of sharing the gospel, of showing others what Christ did for us. And I don't think I have to do much explaining of what this is. It is just simply bringing one back from a position of opposition or, or in, an enemy back to a friendly or favored position. We know that before we were saved, we were the enemies of God. We were living in our sinful flesh. And we know that God hates sin. He hate, it's a thing he hates. And God cannot have any part with that whatsoever. We cannot have a relationship with him that we were to have when we were bound by sin. But now that he has reconciled us, he, has t he put our sin onto Jesus Christ. He made Jesus have what he hated. He made Jesus what he hated so that we could be reconciled back to him. And now we have this ministry of reconciliation to continue. He has given this to us that we point others back to Christ as because of what he did in us and because of our love that we have for him now. So we said earlier that Christ died for us while we were at sinners. Um, this is amazing that God's love for us was so great that he made his only son what he hated. So this is the ministry God has now given us to do. Uh, but I must say this, just as God reconciling us back to himself was done completely through his power, we must realize that we cannot produce this reconciliation. He has not given us the ability to reconcile people. He has just given us the mission, the ministry of pointing back to, uh, people to the one that can reconcile them, that can give them a right relationship with Christ and a home in heaven one day, and so that they would be ready for that judgment day of Christ, just as Paul was saying. Um, so th this is the ministry that God has given us to do. This is done completely through his power and not of, our, not of ourselves. We are Christ's ambassadors now. He has given us the gospel and a command to share it. This is a great thing. But what happens when we lack the desire to share this gospel? Well, you, if this is the case, then I fear we have a major issue. And it comes back to our motivation. I fear that if we are not desiring to participate in the ministry of reconciliation that God has clearly given to us, and I fear we do not love God or that we love something more than God. There's something wrong there. If we're not seeking to do what he has told us to do. After all he did for us, for Paul, his love for God constrained him. The, the word constrained means to urge with irresistible power or with a power sufficient enough to produce the effect. 
This means that Paul's love for God was at the point that he could do nothing else but that which God had called him to do. Paul felt constrained by this. Paul felt, there's nothing else I can do but that which God has called me to do. And that's the love we need to have in our hearts right there. That we feel like there's nothing else we can do but that which God has called us to do. So this leaves me with a question then. Does our love for God constrain us to serve him? Do we feel this way? Do we feel this love for God that we just have to do what he has called us to do? I know in my, love there, in my life there are things I love. I love playing basketball and I love my girlfriend. These are two things I love. And I do certain things because of this love. I played basketball for two years in high school. I loved it. I drove myself to practices and I put in all my effort I could when I was there or even in games. I loved playing it. It was a sport I loved to do and I just enjoyed it so much and I put myself to it. it my love for it made me play basketball, made me put effort into this. And thankfully my parents loved me enough to pay for it. So that was <laughs> awesome too. And just like I love my girlfriend, I love her, so I seek to visit her anytime I can. I seek to be with her anytime I can, or seek to do anything to make her happy. These are things that I naturally do because I love it, because I love basketball and I love my girlfriend. Now, so we know that there's these things that we love, and these, it's a natural human thing. If we love something, we're going to do something. We're going to do it. We're going to just put effort into this. But there's also a rule of if things we love more, we do more of. Now, if I had the choice to play basketball or be with my girlfriend, I'd go be with my girlfriend because I love her more. I love her more than playing basketball. These are simple things that we understand. There's some things we love more than others. So it may not even be that we don't love God. I believe everyone in here that we would say and probably truthfully say we do love God. We are a people that love God, that we are here on a Wednesday night when it is freezing cold outside. We love God, so we're willing to do that. But I wonder if there, the, more, the problem really is this, if there's things we love more than God. If there are things that are more important to us, that we love more, that we desire to do more. And an example that I think comes to my mind and really is uh, very beneficial to this message is those times when we may be pricked by the Holy Spirit to go to witness to someone, to go talk to someone about Christ, but we choose not to do that. That, can show, that shows me that we love something more than God, and that might be ourselves and our pride, our comfortability. We love that more than telling this person about Christ because we love ourselves more than God. And this is a problem. This is the thing that I, I'm afraid of. And it's something I have failed at many times. I know it. And it's something that we must uh, get, our, get control of and realize that we are putting something above God if we choose to not do this. If we choose to not participate in this ministry of reconciliation he has called us to do. And so... God has given us this ministry of reconciliation, but sometimes we love our comfort and pride more than the God that decided to die, send his son to die for us. This not only is a sin, because we have put ourselves before God, we have put ourselves of more importance to him, than him, and also we knew what was right to do and failed to do it. There's, these, this is a sin not to do this thing, but it also reveals what we love more. You see, what we love is what motivates us to do what we do. This is why we must love God more, as our theme says this year. We must love God more to do what he has called us to do, more than anything. He is number one. He has given us the ministry of bringing others to him so that he may reconcile them back to him. It is our love for God that is going to motivate us to take, this, to take part in this. This is what motivated Paul. To no matter, we saw Paul go through many things, and it was because he loved God. He was constrained by his love for God that he was willing to do whatever it took to, reckon, to bring people back to Christ so that they may have a right relationship with him. And it's the love we need to have. And it's the love I hope we uh, desire to have. And 
And so we live in a world that is in need of Christians to have this love, to have this constraining love. There's a world wrecked by sin and a world seeking for answers. And the problem is we have too many Christians loving themselves more, their comfort more, that they won't share the good news that we have. And we have a world that needs it. So we as Christians are the ones that God has chosen to use to bring them to him. So we need to get busy doing this. He has given us this ministry, so we need to do it. So what are we doing about it? Is God truly the number one love of our life? Is he, do we love others more than ourselves so that we desire for them to know about Christ? If we did, we truly would share the gospel. Or have we forgotten that Jesus Christ has once reconciled us? I loved Brother Lalo's illustration last Sunday of that ring against that dark pad. When we have it up against that black pad, it shows how beautiful the ring is. When we see our sin compared, uh, God's love compared to the sin he saved us from, what he reconciled us unto, it's a beautiful thing. And it really should be our motivation. And our, we should love God so much because of it that we would take part in what he has got, called us to do. We see how beautiful God's love for us is through this. We are now a new creature because of Jesus Christ becoming our sin and reconciling us back to him. So let's stop living the life we lived before as an old man and get busy loving God more and loving others more and doing what he has called us to do because he first loved us. And I am very thankful for this church and this the, um, the faithfulness we have had to door knocking and soul winning. We have seen souls saved and we have seen people sent out of our church to ministry. But I'm afraid if we're one generation away from failing at this, we are one even one day of deciding not to do it from failing at this. We need to continue in this, and we need to do it more than ever before because there is a world that is getting worse and worse. And so my challenge for you today is to love God more, and if we love God more, then we're going to take part in this more and more. So I challenge you guys to love more, love God more than you ever have, and to seek to have more souls won because this is what we're all about. This is what God has given us to do. So is your love for God constraining you to participate in this ministry of reconciliation that he has called you to do? Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father, Lord, thank you so much for this day and for this uh, passage you've given us, Lord, and for what you've done in us and reconciling us back to you, Lord. We're so very thankful for that, and don't take it lightly, Lord. Just thank you for the love you've shown to us. Just help us to love you more than ourselves and more than anything else so that others may come to know you and uh, be ready for the judgment day. And Lord, just help us to love you more than anything in this world, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother James will come with our prayer now, prayer at this time.